from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jason Rosenbaum. Friday's decision to strike down Roe v. Wade sent shockwaves throughout Missouri. That's because a state law bans abortions except for medical emergencies. All six major Republican candidates for the U.S. Senate have expressed support for this measure, known as the trigger law. Here's GOP Senate hopefuls Dave Schatz, Vicki Hartzler, and Mark McCloskey at a recent forum that Boyce State sponsored. My faith does not allow me to think that life doesn't begin at conception. It does. You know, just because a baby is conceived through a certain way doesn't mean that child deserves to die because of the sins of their father. I believe in pro-life, no abortion, no exceptions. Missouri Democrats, though, think Missouri's trigger law is an overreach. Here's what former U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill told me in May. The question remains, will Missourians reject this much extreme change this, this extremism is, um, is startling. It's stunning. Now, there is a lot to sort out here. So let's talk to U- University of Missouri-St. Louis political science professor Anita Mannion about the impact on the un- upcoming elections. Anita, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Hi, Jason. It's great to be here. How do you think this Supreme Court decision will affect Missouri's U.S. Senate election? Well, our U.S. Senate race is particularly important to the Republican Party as they only need to net one additional seat in November to take control of the Senate. Uh, I think we're seeing that despite the fact that Roe v. Wade has been overturned by the Supreme Court, that doesn't make this a settled issue. We see both parties are hoping to mobilize their voters around this. And um, as we're going into Missouri's primary election, which is August 2nd, less than 40 days away, uh, I think this will be fresh on voters' mind. We definitely saw Missouri Attorney General and candidate for U.S. Senate Eric Schmidt racing to issue that opinion to enact the trigger law. But overall in Missouri, I, I don't think it will have a huge impact on the primary elections because the Republican candidates are firmly anti-abortion and very vocal about it. And on the Democratic side, they are uh, vocal supporters of abortion rights. So I think it's not as much of an effect in the primary that's coming up, but more so in the general race. Even though Missouri is now a reliably red state, the Republican Party still doesn't want to alienate those suburban or moderate voters. Some of those voters that we saw uh, maybe make a shift based on Donald Trump, and now this could be an issue that causes them to make that shift to be more democratic. Yeah, and the stakes for the the general election are actually quite high because from talking with people on both sides of the aisle— The only way we may see a pushback to the trigger law in Missouri and elsewhere is to pass federal legislation legalizing abortion everywhere. Do you think that that could actually happen in a few months? Well, uh, back to the general election, I think, you know, the Democrats think their best opportunity is if Greitens gets the nomination. And if he does, and particularly if he's running against a woman in Trudy Bush Valentine, it could really underscore this issue of, you know, is the Republican Party um, alienating women through these actions? So I think that's one factor to think about in Missouri's general election. But as far as the um, federal legislation, I think that 
there's the big challenge there is the filibuster. You know, this is the word that's made Democrats cringe ever since uh, Biden took office because the Democrats have that 50-50 split with uh, the vice president making the tie-breaking vote. So they don't have the 60 votes they need currently in the Senate um, to enact federal legislation. Uh, oh, you have Joe Manchin, who said he will not vote to eliminate the filibuster on this issue and that he's looking for a bipartisan solution. Uh, outside of Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, I don't anticipate support for that sort of legislation by Republican senators. So, again, I don't see the ability to break the 60 votes for the filibuster. But I do think there might be a narrow possibility um, there are some Democrats and Republicans who are talking about narrower guarantees. So not enshrining sort of what Roe versus Wade did, but maybe guaranteeing access to abortion in cases of rape or incest, or the mother's health is at risk, or maybe federal legislation that would protect other rights that were granted based on the same legal foundation. So things like the right to contraception and same-sex marriage. So I think those have a better chance at federal legislation than at this point in shining Roe v. Wade. One of the other contenders for the GOP U.S. Senate nomination, Congressman Billy Long, told us on a recent episode of Politically Speaking that he doesn't feel that this issue will be as important to voters as other things like inflation or gas prices. Here's a clip from Congressman Long. I, I think that, you know, as far as tipping the scale on election, I, I think that abortion is down the scale in people's minds as far as what drives them to the polls. I think that when they pull up to the gas pump and get furious when they went into the gro go into the grocery store and buy what used to cost $30. Now they're paying $51 for the same amount. I think those are the things that are driving people to the polls. What do you think about that? Well, I certainly think that Republicans are hopeful that that's the truth. Uh, recent polling has shown that the economy is still the number one issue for independence, but some polling has seen abortion rise to number two. And so that is a big shift and it could motivate voter turnout. Um, when you think about the young voters who've lost enthusiasm for Biden and possibly the Democratic Party, if they got motivated around this issue, it could definitely help the Democrats in the midterms. Uh, also, historically, Republican voters are more likely to vote based sort of like that single issue voting on abortion. But again, recent polling has seen that Democratic voters are more energized around this issue and say that they're more likely to turn out to vote in the midterms because of the what they see as an assault on abortion rights. And, and Democratic candidates for Missouri based offices are almost uniformly railing against this decision and candidates for the U.S. Senate and congressional offices like the second congressional district are, are stressing their support for abortion rights. It, here is actually a clip from one of the two Democrats running in the second district, Ray Reed. Even though he's running in a district with lots of Republicans, he told me he would not support any restrictions on abortion. Because it's not government's business uh, what a woman does with her body. Like, I don't believe that's my decision. I have no right to stand in between what a woman does with her body. That's between a woman and her doctor, period. Now, now given that Missouri voters have elected candidates who support abortion restrictions and have opposed abortion rights in general, could this strategy from Democrats actually backfire? It's possible that it could in a state like Missouri, that's for sure. And in a second district that has been redrawn to be much more conservative, I think that is a riskier position. However, you know, I'm not indicating that a candidate should change their beliefs or uh, what they espouse based on that. But I do think that that's an uphill position in the second district. 
So on Saturday, which happened to be my birthday, by the way, and I'm not Happy asking birthday. you to. No, I, I, I was fishing <laughs> for that compliment, by the way. Of course. I, I covered President Donald Trump's rally near Quincy, Illinois, and he mentioned to the crowd how he felt responsible for the decision since he appointed three judges to the Supreme Court who voted to overturn Roe versus Wade. Here's a clip from former President uh, Donald Trump. This breakthrough is the answer to the prayers of millions and millions of people. And these prayers have gone on for decades. For decades and decades, they've been praying. And now those prayers have been answered to the generations of Americans in the pro-life movement, as well as countless constitutional conservatives. Your boundless love, sacrifice, and devotion has finally been rewarded in full. Congratulations. And Anita, isn't it possible that the voters Trump was talking to that care about the abortion issue and were happy with Roe versus Wade being overturned aren't going to be as motivated since they have succeeded in their goal? I think that is a very good possibility, Jason. We know in political science research that there is Fear has been shown to be a powerful factor to influence voting behavior. And for generations, we've seen the Supreme Court expand rights. And now that we have this contraction of rights where some are, people are feeling very happy about that, it might not be as motivating to them anymore. But for those who feel that something has been taking away from them or fear for the rights of their children, um, then this could definitely be a motivator where the Democrats are more f fired up, where historically Republicans have been more motivated around the abortion issue. Now, Trump was in the Quincy area to stump for Congresswoman Mary Miller, who is locked in a very heated GOP primary against fellow Republican Congressman Rodney Davis. And she set off a social media frenzy when she said this after Trump brought her to the stage. President Trump, on behalf of all the MAGA patriots in America, I want to thank you for the historic Victory for white life in the Supreme Court yesterday. Now, Miller's campaign said she meant to say right to life, but Davis and other Miller detractors have condemned the remarks. Some have said that it was completely racist. Her campaign pointed out that some of her grandchildren are non-white. Anita, I understand, like, sometimes you misread things off of paper, but, like, this scap seems to be beyond calling like a reporter, a reporter, as I did on, on Friday. Like, wh what do you think this is going to mean for the race on Tuesday? Well, I think the first thing it did was it overshadowed the Trump endorsement um, that Miller had and the, and the you know fact that he was at the rally and speaking about the Supreme Court decision because all of the talk was about what Miller said. Uh, certainly Davis picked up on that. And I think that her flub, as they're calling it, um, wouldn't be as notable had she not had other controversy, including that she had to apologize for quoting Hitler previously, and her husband had to apologize after having a three percenter um, decal on his truck at the Capitol on January 6th. So I think their history also really makes this, uh, what she said on Saturday, even more under the spotlight. Now, now, one of the reasons me and reporter slash photographer Brian Munoz were in Menden, Illinois, is we were trying to gauge the long-term fallout from overturning Roe versus Wade on Illinois politics. And, and I'm an Illinois native, 
most of the governors who have been governors since my I was alive have all supported abortion rights, including Republicans like Bruce Rauner. Uh, do you think that Friday's decision could permanently lock Republicans out of the Illinois governor's office because voters who tend to support abortion rights don't want to put them in that office where they could restrict them? I think we're seeing evidence of that in the primary where you have Irvin who has been hesitant. You know, he's sort of been tagged as the more moderate Republican candidate. And he has been hesitant to um, really endorse this Supreme Court decision and instead talks about things about like parental consent. And where you have Bailey um, wholeheartedly uh, jumping onto this and being endorsed by Donald Trump. So I think you're right, Jason, that um, Republicans in Illinois saw Irvin as the more electable candidate in the general election, but it seems like Bailey has the momentum and certainly has the endorsement from the former president. I think that positions him to really have an uphill battle in the general election, and it makes it a little bit easier for Pritzker and a tough year for Democrats. Yeah, and you mentioned that Trump endorsed State Senator Darren, Darren Bailey in this, I think it's a six-way primary for the Republican nomination. And the interesting thing was, while Bailey opposes abortion rights, neither Trump nor Bailey mentioned abortion at all during the remarks about the endorsement. Uh, Do you think that was purposeful? And what do you think of the fact that they didn't mention that issue, given that it was top of mind among a lot of people in Menden? I do think it was purposeful. I think that Bailey and his campaign recognize that that is probably not a winning issue in the general election in Illinois. And, you know, there's been reporting that even Trump sees that going further with a national ban could be really problematic for Republicans moving forward. So this is where we're seeing some splintering in the Republican Party, where you have folks like Pence and some of the activists who are saying, you know, really focusing on this issue and others like uh, maybe McConnell and and other uh, Irvin and others who are trying to skirt the issue and uh, claim the victory and move on from it. We only have a minute or so left. One final question before we go. Obviously, the general election in Illinois is in November, but if Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker can prevail, and let's just say Joe Biden doesn't run for another term, could we be talking about Governor Pritzker as a 2024 contender? Oh, boy, I think the list of possible 2024 contenders is long, but I wouldn't be surprised if Pritzker has his sights on that as well. He is worth a lot of money and he could potentially self-fund, which is uh, obviously something that's useful. But we've seen other self-funders kind of crash and burn like Michael Bloomberg in 2020, I guess. And and he was also in office as well. So uh, it's not really a sure thing to the nomination, especially with so many other people who are in the running. Right. And, you know, sometimes we see that money isn't everything as um, the candidate, one of the leading candidates on the Republican side for governor in Illinois had $50 million uh, donation from Kenneth Griffin, but has seemed to fall back in the polls. So money certainly doesn't guarantee electoral success. Anita Mannion is a political science professor at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. Anita, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jason. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. 
Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.